Church Experience Online. We're so happy that you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you'd like to access helpful growth step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our church experiences. Welcome to Group Therapy. <laughs> this is our new teaching series, and I was talking with Phil Lewis, the executive director of Winning at Home Tampa Bay. And he's a great coach for so many people, has counseled many people. And, and Phil said, we all suffer from some form of mental illness. And I think what he's saying is that we all have flawed thinking. We all have areas that if we could improve our thinking, the way we think about life, the way we think about faith, the way we think about relationships, then our lives would get better and the lives of people around us would get better. So that's really the genesis of this teaching series is to help us all grow in how we think. Part of this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, down in verse 5. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. So every, every thought that comes through our mind, we want it to be submitted to Jesus Christ. We want him to reign in our thoughts, how we think about life and faith and people. But the problem is that with all of our flawed thinking, and we all have some areas that need improvement, is that we're really slow to get help until it's so bad that we have to get help. Few people venture into a counseling office or to see a therapist until it's, it's really too late. And, there, and there's certainly hope when you get to a bad place, but what if we could make a change before we got to rock bottom? And part of the heart of this is that we're going to bring the counseling to you. And so we call this teaching series Group Therapy. And we're going we're gonna to bring the help to you. And we're going to ultimately bring all of our issues to Jesus because he is the source of all truth and he's the one that's going to help us through whatever the problems are that we're facing in life. Now, throughout this teaching series, Phil's going to help me a couple weeks, and, and I'm going to teach a couple weeks. We're going to tag team this together, and I'm really excited about what we're going to learn together, how we're going to grow. And we're going to tackle some of the biggest issues that people would actually go see a Christian counselor to talk about. And we're going to bring that right here together to our church. So I'm really excited about this. Well, when I was a little boy, my parents took me and my two younger brothers to an airfield in central Indiana. We were living in a small uh, Midwestern town, and we heard about this big air show, and the Blue Angels were going to be there. Now, if you've ever seen the Blue Angels, they're this amazing group of pilots that fly these amazing jets, and they do all kinds of incredible uh, tricks in the air. It's just unbelievable what they're capable of doing in these airplanes. And if you've never seen them, I want you to just check out this quick 30-second clip so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. Check it out.
man, that's amazing. Isn't it incredible what they can do with those fighter jets? I mean, that, that, that so impressed me. In fact, as I got older, I even thought about being a fighter jet pilot when I, when I grew up. I thought that would just be so cool. And as a little boy and then with my two little brothers there and my parents were there with thousands of people. And again, we were living at the time in a small Midwestern town. So to be surrounded by these many thousands of people and everyone's looking up into the skies, it's real easy for a little kid to get lost. And that's exactly what happened. I somehow wandered off and got lost in this endless sea of people. Now, th- keep in mind, this is pre-cell phone days. So there's nobody to call and get help. I mean, you're just, you're panicked as a parent. You're looking around and you're searching and, and, and your child doesn't have a phone on you. I mean, you're just, you're just looking with everything you've got trying to find your kid. It was amazing. This one guy that was there, he just completely saved my life. And he's actually here today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not, he's not here, but, but, but I, was, I was actually found. I was actually found and, and reconnected with my parents. And, and, man, what a terrifying place to be as a young child, completely lost, completely lost and, and, and having no hope of finding your parents. And your parents com- completely stressed out, where is my child? And being lost is never a good feeling. When, when you don't know where you are or you don't know how to get to where you need to go, it's a terrible feeling. But possibly even worse than being physically lost is being mentally lost. When, when your mental compass feels broken, when, when you're struggling with your identity, with your confidence, with your decision-making or your direction, who, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Where am I headed? It causes such anxiety for so many people, which is one of the top issues that people go see a counselor about, identity and anxiety. Um, It it can cause uncertainty, self-doubt, mental anguish, discouragement, or even depression. And and so many people struggle in their personal life and their social life because of this, this mental framework, this mental compass that feels broken, and they don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going or what they should be doing. So how do we get unstuck? How do we fix that internal compass and know who we are and what we're supposed to be doing? What do you say to your child? What do you say to your spouse? What do you say to your friend who's struggling with those internal mental battles? How how do you become more confident in ministering to others when they're struggling with some of these things? Well, as a launch pad for the weeks ahead in this teaching series, as we're talking about getting healthier, getting healthier in our thinking, as we're in group therapy together, let's establish a mental framework for, for who we are, for our identity, and, and it will help us and those we love as we think through how to become more mentally healthy and how we think about who we are. So I'm going to turn to the New Testament again in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So this is really interesting to me because it says a very conclusive statement that's very broad. It says, we all, as every one of us, stumble in many ways. So there's nobody that's, that's perfect. And almost as if to emphasize it even further, it goes on in James chapter 3, verse 8. It says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So not only are we imperfect, do we stumble, we can't even control the words that we say all the time. It's just an impossibility. It says if you could, if you read that whole chapter of James, it says if you could control all your words and be faultless and perfect in your words, you'd be able to control your whole self, that you could be be perfect. But it says that we can't do that. 
Well, we're all going to make mistakes. We're going to, as it says, stumble in many ways. Can't even be perfect in our words. We're imperfect. Jennifer caught me a while back, and I was in the other room from her, and she heard me say, oh, man, bummer. And, and she thought something big happened and drastic happened, and she walked in the other room, and I'm, I'm just sitting there, and it like, didn't look like I was hurt. I wasn't bleeding, like nothing was broken, like, like what's, what's wrong? Why the, why the big like sigh and why is, why, why is it such a big deal? And I, I told her, I, I didn't realize that she was listening and I said, well, I was just thinking about something that happened the other day and ah, oh, man, it just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say the right thing or whatever it was. And, and she said, so here you are like later on and you're, you're beating yourself up. And I was like, yeah. And, and, and she started to notice that I was doing this fairly often. I was just kind of beating myself up when I would recall something where I didn't do it quite right. And, and she was helping me talk through it and process through it. And, and I, I'm trying to, I'm learning to, like when those thoughts come to my mind, instead of beating myself up, sometimes just, just to laugh, right? Because can you change the past? No, you can't. The best you can do is to learn from it. But to, to even to, to laugh instead of beating yourself up. But, you know, some people take that a step further. And we're talking about becoming more mentally healthy in our minds and the way we think, becoming honoring to God and taking every thought captive to God. And it's so important because some people take this a step further and the, the self-defeating thoughts become self-defeating labels. And they'll say things like, man, I'm so stupid. And then they'll label themselves with some self-destructive label that's not actually true. But because they're beating themselves up or they'll take it even to a darker and deeper place and they'll take it maybe to a place of self-punishment in some sort. And here's what I'd like to say to you. Don't degrade yourself. I heard someone say, don't degrade what God has made. Don't degrade what God made. He made you special and he, he made you beautiful and he made you as someone that he loves and cares about. William Brown said, failure is an event, never a person. Failure is an event, it's never a person. So in our journey of identity and self-confidence, I'm going to give you some I am statements. And the first one I'd love for you to write down in your teaching notes today is this. I am a person that fails, but I am not a failure. I'm a person that fails, but I am not a failure. R write that down. And I want you to think about that. Because part of becoming healthy in the way that you think and becoming God-honoring in the way that you think is to recognize that you are imperfect. But just because you failed does not make you a failure. And since I won't be 100% perfect, that means that in my imperfection and my, my failures along the way, it doesn't mean that I cannot still be successful in whatever endeavor that I'm, that I'm engaged in. You know, if you eliminated, eliminated every person who has failed from the pool of people who have succeeded, you'd have no successes left to talk about. Because on the journey to success is failure, and it's marked with failure. We went to uh, Disney, and we were so thankful to be able to go there, and my parents helped us go there earlier this year, and we were able to uh, have some fun as a family and do a, a ride that we love, this Buzz Lightyear ride where you're on it, and you have this, this little deal where you, you shoot out at these targets as you go through the ride, and it keeps a collective score. Well, we had done this a few times together as a family, Jennifer and I and the four kids, and, and to be honest, I, I'd won most times. Now, I'm, I'm older than the, the kids, and so I had a big advantage there, and you know, I'm competitive, and I was really getting into it, and, and so, so I'd won a few times. I got maybe 300,000 points or something when we go through this, and well, this time before we uh, rode this ride, Jennifer was, was talking all kinds of smack. 
which was usually my role. I'd have some fun with the family and just, hey, come on, guys, you're not going to get close to my score this time. But this time I noticed Jennifer was way more than, than I'd ever seen her. She was like talking smack like she was going to she was gonna just destroy me. So I'm like, double your score. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to destroy you guys. She's, you're not even going to come close. All the, I'm like, where is this coming from? I couldn't believe it, but I, I knew inside that, like, she's never beat me at this game before. So I just having fun entertaining. I'm like, oh, good luck. And, you know, and I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just going to destroy her especially bad this time. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the high score higher than I've ever scored before, and so I'm focused, and we're we're going on this ride, and I'm I'm pointing this deal at every every target, and I'm I'm hitting it, and I'm I'm scoring. The points are racking up, and I'm feeling good. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. I can't wait for her to see my score. And I I even got to the end of the ride, and I took a little picture of it so I could show her my score. Well, we get off the ride, and she's like, what what was your score? And I was like, well, what was your score? She's like, no, no, let me. Show me your score. And I'm like, I was waiting for the big reveal at the end. You know, the highest score saved the best for last. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I, I showed her my phone. I showed her my high score. And she's like, that's pretty good. I mean, what do you mean that's pretty good? That's awesome. That's like a new high score, a new record. You guys didn't get close. And she's like, that's all right. And she pulled out her phone, and she showed me her high score, which was double what my score was. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you kidding me? How did you do that? That's not even possible. Did you cheat? And she's like, no, it's serious. And whatever kid was riding with her said, no, no she really got that score. And, and I'm like, I was just, I was confused. How did she do this? Well, eventually comes out that before the game, she had got online and she had Googled how to get the high score on this game. And so she knew where all the specific targets were, where you can get the highest amount of points. And she literally doubled my score. See, she had a few times where she learned from past mistakes and she learned how to succeed because she had failed. You know, and I have a little fun with this, but sometimes you don't, you don't know how good you have it and you don't know what your potential is until you have failed, until you sometimes have hit the bottom. And so if you come in here today and you're in a bad place and you're struggling and you're, you're seeing the imperfections of your life, and take heart because just because you failed, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. So stop the self-defeating thoughts. Our biggest problem, though, is not making mistakes. It's not failures. We're having some fun. We're talking about how we're all imperfect. I think we know that. But we have a deeper problem from, than that. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. It says, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Bible says that we've all sinned. And one biblical scholar said, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And in your teaching notes, I want you to write down another I am statement that's actually sounds discouraging, but it's life-giving. It's this, I am a sinner, then I am forgiven. So it's two I am's, I am a sinner, but then I am forgiven. So there's a beginning and there's an end statement here. How I begin as a sinner tells me in Psalm 51 verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So that's my beginning. But that's not my ending. Thank God that's not my ending. I, I am forgiven. So that's, that's the other part of the I am statement. I'm a sinner is where I begin. But, but when I come to God and I bow my knee and I ask for his forgiveness, then I become someone new, as it says in Corinthians, a new creation. And then I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Hear a lot about this rapidly spreading coronavirus in the news and caused a lot of panic for some people. But, but listen, there's, there's, there's a rapidly spreading spiritual virus that's beyond being quarantined. It's infected deep inside and it's, and it's fatal. The Bible calls it sin and it says that sin leads to death. And, and, and that, that would be the defining I am of your life if it wasn't for Jesus. This, this cancerous virus of of sin would destroy you and lead to death. 
But because of Jesus and because him giving his life for you, you can go beyond the I am a sinner and you can experience the I am forgiven in God that only can come from God. I am forgiven because of what he's done and that's not the final chapter, I'm a sinner. That's not the final thing that God wants to be said about your life. He wants you to find I am forgiven. But let's move on to another I am statement that's behind why I can say I am forgiven. And here it is. I am deeply loved by my Father. Write that down. I'm deeply loved by my Father. So we're, we're, we're talking about the I am statements to help us in our mental compass find identity, find direction. And we got to talk about how I'm deeply loved by my Father, my Father in heaven. We've talked about how I'm imperfect, how I'm a sinner, how I'm, for, I'm forgiven. But it all comes out of this, I'm deeply loved. I am deeply loved. Do you know that you are deeply loved? Do you? Do you know that you are really loved and cared for by a heavenly father who would do anything to be in relationship with you and, in fact, gave his own son so that you could have life and have life eternal? You know, sometimes we forget the main thing, and maybe you've been a believer for a long time now. Maybe you followed Jesus for many years. You believed in God. Maybe your whole life that you can remember. But sometimes we get so focused in on our, on our life and, our, and what's going on around us that we forget the big picture. We forget the main thing. We, we can so easily zoom in on what's right in front of us and forget the most important things. You know, it's kind of like you're, you're checking your phone, and if you've ever zoomed in on a picture, and you just you get, you're looking maybe for a facial expression, and you're zoomed in on this picture. And as you're staring at that picture and you're trying to see some small detail in that picture, you hear a horn honk behind you. <laughs> and you realize that 10 seconds ago the light turned green and you were so zoomed in on what was right in front of your face that, that you forgot about the context, the bigger picture. And, and we forget sometimes that with looking at what's right in front of us in the day-to-day -day life, that the bigger picture that there's a, a God who's above all, who, who is very concerned with even the details of our life, but this great God who's over everything, knows us by name, cares about us. And he says in this classic verse in John chapter 3, one maybe you're familiar with, John verse, chapter 3, verse 16. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved you so much. The Father in heaven loved you so much that he gave of his own son, gave his life so that you could find life eternal in him. See, God loved us while we we're still sinning. That I am, I am a sinner, while you were there in that place, before you experienced, if you have, I am forgiven, when you were still experiencing, I am a sinner, he gave his life for you. He loved you that much. Here's why this makes all the difference in the world. That in the middle of your unfixable mess, God came to rescue you because he loved you that much. That's called grace, God's grace. You can never get beyond it. You can't forget about this. Like I love, I've told you before, I love Blaze Pizzas. Probably my favorite place to go get pizza. And, and I love walking down that assembly line and I can pick all the different things. I can put some peppers on there. I like to put some, anybody like to put mushrooms on their pizza? I might have some, add some salt or you can pick different kind of sauces and cheeses. But the main thing I don't want to ever forget on my pizza, if they get all the rest of it wrong, you got to have some chicken and some barbecue on there because I, I love me some barbecue chicken pizza. Like if I forget everything else, I can't forget that. And listen, there's a lot of aspects to following Jesus and living your life and trying to, to honor God with the way that you live. But the thing that you can never forget, that you can't go without, is grace. 
And the further you go along in your faith and the more familiar the things of God become to you, the greater danger that you're going to forget this basic building block, this I am statement and your identity. That I am loved by my Father. That in his grace, while I was still a sinner, when the I am of my life was I am a sinner, he said, that's not good enough. I love you and I want you to experience I am forgiven. I am loved. And this is so important as we talk about identity today because healing really comes when you experience God's love. And you can't really love others and sacrificially serve others until you know that you are loved. Because listen, you'll always be trying to impress others. You'll always be trying to find love until you know that you are loved and that your love comes from a father who loves you, not dependent on what you do. It's not a conditional love. You do these three things, you say these five prayers, you show up in church enough, then I'll love you. No, no, it's based purely on who you are, that he loves you and he says, I love you. Once you come to understand that, you can serve others and you can love others because you're not trying to please them. You're not trying to impress them. You have to try to impress God. You're not going to be able to impress him in your own power. He loves you for who you are. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So the only way you can really serve wholeheartedly in a sustainable way and really give yourself away for others is when you know that you are loved. And when you have that I am over your life, then you're really freed up to love others, which leads to this next I am statement. This next I am statement is I am uniquely gifted and called. Write it down. I am uniquely gifted and called. That's, that's true for you. You're gifted by God. You have a calling in your life. Life is not about you. That's too small of a goal to live for. We're called to live for God first and foremost, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love others, to love people. That's a greater cause. It's being a part of something much bigger than ourselves. but most people just live for themselves. The you, though, the you is, is too small of a word to live for. After you find out who you are, after you work through your failures and your sin, you find forgiveness and you find the love of God and you find out those real I am statements in your life, then it gets exciting because you realize that God created you for a purpose. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He wants to use you to influence others. That's awesome. I am called. I am gifted. That's, that's a statement that's true in your life. A friend, Tim, that attends our church, was in a life group with him, and Tim told a story. It just made me laugh. He said he was shopping for an office chair, and he was in this office store, and he was examining this chair, like, really closely, and he was looking it over. He was, he was sitting in it and lowering down and raising up, and he, he was checking it out in every way imaginable. She's been a really long time investigating, staring at, checking out this chair. He finally realizes that this is the chair he wants. He had surveyed all the options. This was his chair. He'd spent a lot of time on it. And he takes the chair and he starts moving towards the front of the store to purchase it. Then he realized that, that a woman from some other place in the store came over, grabbed the same chair, the same kind of chair he had, and started following him to the register. <laughs> Puzzled by this, he engages with her and she says, well, I don't really need a new chair, but I saw how much time you spent researching that chair, and I decided to get the same one that you got. 
Tim, Tim's funny. He, t- he told me another situation like this that happened. He was in some department store, and he was, I don't know if he was seriously going to buy a mattress, but he was checking out a mattress, and you know how you can lay down in them and sample them? Well, he, he kind of laid down in this mattress, and he, well, he got up to leave, and, th- and three ladies came over his direction, and, and one of them laid down on that mattress. And, and, and before he could get away, he, she said, hey, hey, can, sir, can you, can you just sit, sit back down on this? I, I want to know what this mattress feels like when my husband will be in it. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'm, I'm happy to oblige. And he, he kind of sits back down, lays down on the, on the mattress. And she said, well, he, he's a heavier guy than you. Do you think you could kind of like, could you, could you kind of get a running start and jump into the bed? <laughs> and he says, I'd be happy to. So he gets a running start and he, he jumps into bed and just crashes right there next to her. And I just can't imagine watching this go down. You know, Tim, Tim influenced that first woman who watched him so closely. She watched what he was doing. And because she could see that he was making a wise decision, she decided to follow him. That's really what leadership is. That's influence. And God has created you to be a leader, to influence our world towards Jesus. And our world is in need of leadership. Our world is in need of influencers who are godly, men and women, who have discovered this I am statement, that I am uniquely gifted, that I am called. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2, that, that we're God's handiwork. It means he created us on purpose. And it says that he created us to do good works, which he prepared for us. That means he's got a plan for your life. He's got a calling for your life. That's exciting. He wants to do something through your life to influence our world toward him. God has created you for that. And it's a great and powerful I am statement. Well, there's a personal calling and a universal calling for every believer. So your personal calling is unique to you. It's different than others. You have specific giftings and abilities. You have connections and relationships that others don't have. You have a certain career. You have opportunities. You have different resources and a different past, different knowledge and understanding. And the way that you do things is different and unique to you, just like your, your thumbprint is different than the person beside you or behind you. So God has given each Christian a, a personal calling. And this is you know, based on the, the collective total of all these different unique things about you and and, and God has called you personally to go do something for him, to build his, his kingdom, to, to do something in, in every industry. You know, there's, there's believers in our church that, that God has called to go in the medical field and make a difference and influence people in the medical field. There's, there's people that are called into the arts and the inter, entertainment industry. There's people that are called into law and politics. There's people that are, are called into all, all different kinds of government offices to help and, and law enforcement. There's, there's people that are called into education. There's, there's people that are called into retail. Whatever it is that God has personally led you into, he, he's wanting to use you in that industry to use your unique abilities to point people to him. But many people lose sight of their internal compass. They, they drift and sink so far into self-absorption in their personal calling that they forget that there's a universal calling for all Christians. Though we together have collectively been called by Jesus himself to go and make disciples, to build believers, to build his church, to see people baptized and come to know Jesus personally, to to discover these I am statements like I am forgiven and I am loved. He wants to use us collectively, his church. We're collectively, universally called to go and build the kingdom of God, to build the church as God works through each of us in our personal callings. But sometimes we forget, we get so focused in on our personal calling, what's God doing in my life, what am I doing, what am I called to, that we forget that we are called collectively. We need each other, we serve together, we work together, we pray together for each other. In fact, you can't fulfill all the one another's of the Bible without each other. 
We need to be connected. We need to gather together. We need to worship together. Well, we talked a lot about these I am statements. This whole message is about the, that our identity, our confidence, and who we are, and finding that internal compass. And so we've had a lot of I am statements, but I want to point you to another verse in Exodus chapter 3, because there's a different kind of I am in the Bible. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. We've talked a lot about I am in this message. But the truth is, there's only one great I am. And what he says about you is the most important thing because the great I am determines who you are. And what he says you are and what he says about you is the most important thing about who you are. And if you want to come to know who you are, if you want to come to know your identity, if you want to find that internal confidence and strength, then you, you can't just find it internally. You have, to, you have to lean on a higher source, a higher power. You're someone who has a greater perspective, someone who knew you before you were born, someone who created you, someone who cares about you and has the power to interact and work in your life in ways that you can't. See, this final statement in your teaching notes is so important because before I can know who I am, I have to know whose I am. I am a child of the great I am. <laughs> Write that down. I'm a child of the great I am. I can't know who I am until I know whose I am. And who I am, I'm a child of the great I am, the one who has the authority to just be. He says, I am, and that's how he describes himself. I am. And, and that great I am can help me through whatever mess I'm in. He can help me understand whatever is broken inside, whatever needs repaired, whatever help I need to get. He can help me ultimately because he's the great I am. The great I am that's over my name, the great name above all names. You know, I think we all need friends in our life that just make us laugh. And, you know, one friend that you might need in your life to make you laugh, if you need to laugh a little more, is you need a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I think everybody needs a conspiracy theorist in, in their life because they say the strangest things sometimes. You're like, seriously? You, you really believe that? That's so funny. And, you know, I had a friend, this is a little while ago, he, he was talking, he, he watched some documentary online, and, and the, the conspiracy theory that he came across, and it, it almost concerned me because I think he actually kind of believed it. The conspiracy theory was that, that the world still actually is flat. You know, people used to believe, not that long ago, relatively in human history, they, they used to believe that the world was flat. We no longer believe that, of course. But, but the conspiracy theory suggested that the world actually is flat and that, that nobody actually landed on the moon. That was a government conspiracy that the world actually is flat. I'm just laughing. And he, you can tell he's a little conflicted. He's thinking, well, well, what if it is true? I'm like, it's not true. It's crazy talk, man. <laughs> just had some, had some fun laughing about that, having a good, good time. But, but I think we all need a, a, cons a conspiracy theorist in our life. But you know what? Back when they did think that the world was flat, you know, no matter how accurate their self-perception was. There was a missing piece that they didn't understand because the world is not flat. And so if someone said, I am, no matter how true that I am statement was, if they said, I am a, a wonderful person living on a flat earth, it doesn't matter how well they know themselves and how true those other I am statements were, there's something that they were missing, some piece of truth that they did not have access to. And their statement was inaccurate. It was incomplete because they didn't understand the context. They didn't understand the bigger picture. And when God says, I am, I'm the great I am, what he's saying is that he's over us. And no matter how great of a person you can become, you're still under a greater name. 
As we just finished this other teaching series, No Other Name, we talked about the name that's above every other name. Until you come to know that name personally, you can't really know who you are. You can't really find yourself. As some people, self-prescribed, I need to find myself. You can't find yourself until you find yourself in a relationship with the one who created you, the one who knows you. John chapter 1, verse 12, the final verse I want to read today, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's exactly what God wants to do in your life is he wants you to become a child of his. And many of us have made that decision. We've received Jesus into our life, but we're not living as children of the great king above all kings. We're not living as if we have an eternal inheritance of a king and and his glorious kingdom. We're so focused on this next step right in front of us and what's going on and the problems and stresses in our life. We're, we're trying to find ourselves. We're lacking confidence and identity. And I'm just telling you, the answer today is to put your eyes on Jesus, not on the created things, but on the creator. Get your eyes off the earthly and put it on the eternal and say, say you know what, who I am is not as important as whose I am. And when I'm, and I put my life in the hands of the great creator, the great I am, then I can be all these other I am's. I can find the I am forgiven. I can find the I am loved. I can find the I am called. Why? Because I found out whose I am. I am the son, the daughter of the great I am. And that's what I want you to think about this week is that I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I have a, I have a calling that's given personally to me and universally to the church to go and influence people to find and follow Jesus. What greater thing can we be a part of and be a child of a king and experience the glory of his kingdom? So let me ask you as we close today, are you, are you trying to find yourself? Find yourself in the one who knows you better than anyone else. Are you trying to impress anybody? Are you, are you living to try to impress and please others? How do you get free of that? How do you find that internal strength and confidence, that identity? How do you find that? You find it in Jesus. When you focus on what he says you are who he says you are, when you, when you can discover that, that you don't have to impress anyone. He loved you at your worst. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. You can find forgiveness no matter how imperfect you feel from day to day, no matter what your sins and weaknesses, you just come to him. You find all the grace and all the love that you need, and you find that I am is founded in a greater I am. Right on? Right on. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today for each person who's trying to, find themselves trying to fix something that's broken inside, trying to overcome the imperfections, the flaws, the sin that they've been surrounded by and maybe been walking in. God, help them see that the answer is not just within themselves. It's beyond themselves. It's in you. That's where we find who we are. It's in finding out whose we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you came 2,000 years ago and you gave your life so that we can find eternal life in you. Jesus, we thank you for how much you love us, how much you care for us. Even while we were in our sin, rebelling against you, you didn't give up on us. So God, help us not to give up on others, the others in our life who who are struggling. Help us to think about how we can influence and use our calling to point others to you, Jesus. Help us to be faithful in prayer, developing those gifts that you've given us out in the marketplace, in the different industries, in the different places you've called us. Help us to go bring light in the darkness, to be your church to be used greatly by you, Jesus, so that more people can experience a full life in Jesus Christ. It's in his powerful name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for joining us today at Church Experience Online. 
Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support the movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.